Hi, and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work, our weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut, where I talk to professors and scholars about the research they're doing, what they're finding, and what it means for the rest of us. I'm very pleased to have this week as my guest, Professor Simon Naimi. He's the director of the Institute of Financial Economics at AUB and also professor of economics and finance and is involved in many other regional and uh, international uh, economic and developmental activities. Professor Naimi, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Rami. Uh, you've worked in, in many different arenas uh, at many different levels. Uh, an AUB, you're part of the committee to deal with the current economic crisis, and Lebanon and the Arab region internationally. Um, so I'd like to ask you first to just broadly tell us, tell our audience, what are the main issues that you're addressing now in this very difficult situation where Lebanon is in crisis, the Middle East is in transition, and the world is struck by this uh, pandemic, which has hit economies very hard. So what does an economist like you do in a situation like this? Well, Arami, I'm uh, now interested really in looking at what, what is happening or what uh, will happen post-pandemic uh, in, on a regional level and on an international level. So how the developed and developing economies are dealing with uh, the post-pandemic. Now, I don't know if we can talk about the post-pandemic. Apparently, we have a fourth wave now uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the horizon. So we are still in the midst of the pandemic. Now, uh, back to the region, uh, back to uh, Lebanon, we not only have the pandemic, but we also have all of the other crises that uh, Lebanon have been uh, managing for the past two years since October 19. So you have the pandemic on one hand and a banking, financial, currency crisis, uh, debt crisis on the other. Uh, and it is the perfect storm that we spoke about uh, last year uh, mm -hmm. during our interview. Mm -hmm. So it is really a combination of how to deal with with uh, external shocks, uh, shocks affecting the region, and uh, how to go from there. I also have other, uh, under that, the main theme is the implication of the pandemic on this uh, higher education sector, the educational sector. And there I, I look at, you know, uh, the new financing model for universities and how they can cope with the new realities. That is no more public funding because fiscal space is uh, shrinking for uh, the Arab world and uh, the world economy at the same time. So the higher education is one of those sectors in the economy that is also suffering from the implication mm -hmm. of the pandemic and the crisis in general. You, let me interrupt you. You were involved uh, on the, uh, in the leadership position of one of the committees that was set up at AUB uh, to advise the Board of Trustees and the President uh, when the crisis started. What was your experience there and what, what were the essential results or recommendations that you came up with when you did a financial analysis? Well, uh, you know, Lebanon, uh, Lebanon and AUB, AUB is part of, the, of Lebanon's economy. So, uh, I mean, we cannot really deal with AUB in, as, in a separate, as a separate entity. So Lebanon, uh, AUB has been affected uh, by the crisis. The whole educational sector in Lebanon mm -hmm. was affected by the crisis. Uh, basically, uh, the, the main work of, of uh, the Council was to uh, weather AUB through the crisis. And, uh, I mean, you see now that uh, the administration is coming up with, with plans uh, to branch out, uh, to have new campuses in Cyprus and in uh, Dubai, uh, to, to basically secure a source of uh, fresh dollars uh, to the institution. 
the whole experience was, I think, uh, an excellent experience. I think that UB has done extremely well in going through the crisis. And now post-pandemic and post-financial and debt crisis in Lebanon, I think UB will, through securing off-campus programs, uh, the necessary fresh dollars that are needed for the institution uh, to keep uh, on, to make, uh, to keep on, uh, to continue with a normal operation. So, so far, uh, so good, I think we're doing well, uh, but the crisis in Lebanon is a perfect storm, uh, not only uh, pandemic, sanitary, but then all of these other crises, uh, and UB so far has managed to really uh, do well and uh, weather well the crisis. And what is this, what are the implications of these changes? You talk about post pandemic, but we're not in a post-pandemic yet, but we've had hints that when the pandemic slowed down in various places um, and people started to open up, especially in Europe and North America, um, we had hints of how economic activity can return to something close to what it was before. What, what are the lessons learned from that, and particularly uh, for AUB? Are we going to be able to keep getting the applications from really qualified students who can afford to pay in foreign currency? Well, if, if we uh, remain in Lebanon, uh, definitely not. So that is why it is important for AUB to branch out uh, to secure the source of funding, of fresh dollars that are needed. Uh, tuition are still paid at uh, one of those uh, exchange rates, uh, 4,000. And that is uh, not something that can secure the viability of the institution in the medium and long run. Uh, so th that source of fresh dollars is badly uh, needed. Uh, otherwise, AUB will, will face uh, serious consequences. And uh, post, uh, as you, you well said it, there is no uh, post-pandemic uh, era yet. We're still uh, in the midst of the pandemic. So what we should do is really continue to manage the pandemic and manage all uh, the other crises at the same time. Uh, and uh, uh, what Lebanon is going through is uh, something that is also common to all Arab countries. Uh, mm -hmm. Limited fiscal space, no more public funding for higher education. Uh, so uh, a new financial model should emerge from that. That is, new sources of funding for uh, UB and other higher education institutions uh, should be put in place. Uh, uh, the public funding that used to be available before is no longer available. So maybe uh, go to the private sector, uh, organize philanthropy activity, try to raise funds. That should be the future aim of AUB and uh, the educational sector. Look for other sources of funding other than the uh, normal sources that we used to rely on before. Now, and this, this, is also, this is also happening a little bit, or not just a little bit, to some extent in, um, in say, Great Britain or the United States, where public spending on higher education is uh, reduced gradually over the years. Definitely. I mean, it's not only uh, public spending on education, it's public spending to all sectors of the economy. And education is one of those sectors. So limited fiscal space, uh, developed and developing economies have uh, high deficits, they're accumulating uh, debt, they have no more access to financial markets, no more student loans to finance education, so it is really a, a recessionary environment that uh, AUB and the, the world economy is trying to adjust to. And this is how it is going to be in the medium and long term. So adjust to the new realities, mm -hmm. look for fresh sources of funds, 
and AUB has done extremely well in terms of branching out because that is an important way to secure the revenues of the institution that will uh, make sure that the institution does not fail at one point in time. Because what AUB is going through is not only the pandemic, the pandemic mm -hmm. has put uh, in danger so many uh, uh, universities in Europe, uh, England, the UK and the US, but AUB is going through a, a multifaceted uh, crisis. Pandem the pandemic is only one of those uh, factors affecting the institution. Okay, so if we look broader beyond AUB and higher education in Lebanon, you're looking at the region, you're studying the macroeconomic trends. Um, my analysis of the region focuses a lot on issues like poverty and uh, marginalization, uh, inequality. All of these trends are worsening, and uh, we're getting new reports just last week. The World Inequality Report came out, which showed that the Middle East or the Arab region is still the world's most unequal. So when you look at these regional trends, which seem pretty, were, they were pretty negative before the pandemic, and the pandemic has made them even worse. What are you looking at when you try to analyze the regional economic trends? If we take the Arab region by itself, or if you go a little bit wider and you include Turkey and Iran and others in the region? It is extremely alarming, uh, Rami. As a matter of fact, it's not only inequality that's worsening. You have also poverty rates climbing above 60-70%. Now, not to mention Lebanon, that uh, where the poverty rates have reached maybe 80%. So the whole region is moving in a bad direction in the sense that all of these indicators are worsening and they are, have been worsening and now are worsening even more as a result of the, the pandemic. Now, uh, Egypt has managed to, have, they have had a crisis and have managed to deal with the pandemic through an, an IMF program. Uh, Jordan, Tunisia have had the help of the IMF and the European Union. What have we done in Lebanon? Uh, nothing. The political uh, class mm -hmm. is still there, not willing to do anything, uh, and uh, that is making things worse. Uh, when we spoke last year, I told you that I had some hope that the new faces that we have in the government could do something, could introduce the reforms needed so that Lebanon is put on a recovery path. Apparently now the problem is the political class itself. So to mm -hmm. solve our economic crisis, the, the, we need basically to remove that class, which is becoming in itself a problem that we need to deal with. So uh, uh, on a regional level, we have worsening macroeconomic indicators, poverty, unemployment, inequality. In Lebanon, it is that plus, uh, you know, uh, having uh, maybe social unrest and moving in directions that nobody wants to see happening. Right. And uh, the likelihood uh, of any major upturn in uh, the region as a whole is, uh, very, is very small, other than if oil prices increase but even if oil prices do increase that's not going to solve the 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 deeper problems of unemployment uh, and uh, informal labor and and things like that these structural problems that uh, are hampering so many economies um, do you see any sign of uh, any serious regional coordination for uh, economic uh, re, re rebirth regrowth re-expansion uh, at a regional level Definitely. I mean, uh, I, there are hopes. Look at what happened in Egypt. I mean, post-global uh, financial crisis, they had an IMF uh, recovery plan in place. And now growth rates in Egypt are among the highest in the region. Mm -hmm. So if there is a will 
to introduce the structural reforms that are needed and uh, within under the umbrella of an IMF program or a European Union program uh, Tunisia has done so uh, Jordan is doing that uh, the hopes are there but uh, in Lebanon apparently there is no uh, willingness to do that and uh, the, the political class is now benefiting from making things worse uh, this is my impression of where we are so if you have the will when there is a will, there is a way. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Egypt, there was a will, and they're moving in the right direction. Jordan and Tunisia have macroeconomic problems, but they're moving in the right direction. In Lebanon, my impression is that the political class does not want to put the country on a recovery path. So the problem is no longer an economic problem as much as now it is a political problem. So mm -hmm. we need, as Lebanese, to deal with the political class first before we start arguing about what would be the best course of action to get Lebanon out of the current crisis. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the region, um, you know, there's countries like Algeria, Iraq, Sudan, um, Lebanon, others that have continued to have popular uh, protests and uprisings and serious uh, challenges to the established political order. One of the responses, uh, which is especially evident in Lebanon, is that the political power structure that rules the country essentially ignores the citizens. It doesn't really give in to them, doesn't do any serious reforms, even when there are some things that happened in Tunisia and in, in Sudan. After a while, the political order at the top clamps down again and, and, um, and, and people's lives uh, get worse and worse. What, is, what, what are the implications on the economic side that you, when you look at the economies, of having this entrenched political order that is both incompetent in uh, reviving these economies in, in many cases, not all, uh, and also quite uncaring. They don't really care if their people suffer. What are the consequences? What will happen if this goes on for three, four, five years? Unfortunately, Rami, you're perfectly right. I mean, uh, the, the byproduct is going to be a catastrophe whereby we're going to have a continued depreciation of the Lebanese pound, uh, coupled with hyperinflation. Those will be feeding into each other and then producing a, a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And when you have a political class that is not only ignorant, but that is living in its own world, and it's not only not caring about its population, but uh, depriving it, they've deprived the population from their savings, and now they're targeting whatever... Uh, money uh, or dollars is, are left in the, in the uh, population's pockets. And uh, uh, it's not only that they're ignoring what's happening, they're benefiting from the downside or downturn of, of the economy, from the crisis itself. And that is something that can produce catastrophic consequences, can have catastrophic consequences. And this is something that uh, I'm afraid of. If there is no IMF program in place, if the reforms are not introduced, they should have been introduced two years ago. And mm -hmm. if they have been introduced two years ago, the cost of the recovery would have been much less than what it will be. The more you wait, the higher is going to be the cost of recovery. And unfortunately, uh, our politicians uh, do not care because uh, waiting means more money, more corruption, and uh, more uh, opportunities for them to uh, level uh, whatever is left in Lebanon's economy.
So you operate uh, yourself at two levels. You're in the economics department and you run the uh, Institute of Financial Economics, which is a standalone unit. Uh, what do you and your students do in situations like this? What is it that the university can do, both in analyzing conditions and teaching uh, students, but also trying to impact on these political systems that seem uh, pretty much uh, impervious to any kind of uh, the policy reforms from the outside. What are the consequences to the university as you have lived through them and the role of economics professors? Well, uh, my students were eager to, to uh, know what has been happening to them, what, how things have turned the way they turned in only two years. Uh, why are we where we are today? Uh, and what are the uh, plausible solutions? Where do we go from here? And this is what I try to teach my students, basically explain to them exactly why Lebanon is today where it is and how we can move forward, the, the, the type of change that is needed at the political level so that we get uh, Lebanon out of its current crisis. So uh, our first mission is to basically educate uh, our students and uh, so that they know exactly uh, the, root, the root cause of the problem and then try to find potential remedies to the crisis itself. This is something that is not easy uh, to implement, uh, mm -hmm. given uh, the fact that our students are uh, depressed, their parents are depressed, they have lost their savings, they don't know how to finance their education. Uh, most of them are more interested about uh, uh, looking for ways out of Lebanon uh, to find uh, their future somewhere else. But we try always to be positive, to uh, educate them, so that uh, the change that is needed comes from uh, the, little, the young generation, something that we, you and I, perhaps failed to achieve during and after the civil war in Lebanon. Maybe that young generation can achieve where, can succeed where we failed, uh, uh, what we have been failing for the past uh, 50 years in basically mm -hmm. putting Lebanon on a recovery path. Mm -hmm. And it's not just Lebanon, because you see signs of this same kind of malaise um, and uh, kind of uh, uh, institutionalized inefficiency, corruption, uh, even economic regression when you look at the poverty rate and the informality rate. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's all over, uh, all, over, all over the region. It's so, another pandemic. Corruption is, is also another pandemic. So that is hitting not only the world economy, but also, you know, other Arab countries. So, right. So one, one dynamic that is very clear in Lebanon and also around much of the Arab region is external intervention, political, um, economic, and military, that our region seems to have mainly fictitious frontiers, and anybody in the world can come into the Middle East with their armies, with their uh, economies, with their political pressures. Uh, and we've seen in Lebanon recently with uh, different countries in the, in the Gulf, people put on some pressures and, 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 and try to squeeze you. And, and then presidents come from France and other places, try to do something. And so this, this region, Lebanon is a great example of how this region is so uh, vulnerable to external pressures, not all of which uh, are always uh, positive. How do you calculate this uh, in your uh, economic equations? 
Well, unfortunately, uh, you're perfectly right. Uh, I mean, uh, it is not only that we have to deal with our own endogenous shocks, that is, shocks that are domestic, but we have to deal with all of the uh, regional instability, political instability, all of these factors that are uh, into play in our uh, region, uh, not only, uh, you know, the... Uh, the conflict with uh, between uh, Israel and the Arab world. You have also the conflict between Iran, Saudi Arabia, the, the fact that we have oil uh, in the region uh, and the interest of the main powers in, in that region. So mm. that makes our modeling extremely difficult. So we have to have a set of endogenous variables that is uh, that are the variables that we can control. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have all, a, a big set of exogenous variables that are due to political instability and the fact that uh, the superpowers are interested in our region and the fact that we've been having wars for the past 50 years and they seem to be ongoing. Yes. Uh, so it is, it is making us, uh, as economists, extremely, uh, it's making our task extremely difficult to try to model, uh, to model all of these exogenous factors uh, that could basically change the whole dynamics, the whole macro dynamics of the region. If you have a war exploding somewhere, or a, a shock that is hitting the region, so that is uh, another factor that we as economists have to deal with. But uh, it is extremely difficult, and uh, uh, we have been trying to do something in a, such an uh, such a difficult environment. Mm-hmm. We've almost run out of time, uh, Simo. One last question. In the context of what you've just described, these very difficult conditions in Lebanon and the region and even global intervention in the region, what is your next uh, focus in terms of your own uh, economic and financial research? Well, it is going to be, again, to try to uh, you know, uh, stop uh, the collapse of uh, Lebanon's economy. Uh, what is to be done so that we uh, stop what has been unfolding for the past two years. Because if nothing is done, then uh, we are heading towards a real catastrophe. And I will uh, continue to put uh, any effort uh, in that direction so that uh, Lebanon does not really collapse completely. And this is something that so far I don't see the, the uh, light, any light at the end of the tunnel given how our political establishment has been reacting to the crisis by the fact that they are not willing to do anything and mm-hmm. the fact that they are still benefiting from uh, our miseries. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, with that gloomy uh, assessment, uh, we have to come to the end of this episode, but we are heartened by the fact that there are uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of people like you at other universities and throughout Lebanon and the region trying to study these issues and figure out how do we get out of this terrible cycle that we're in. Uh, so I have to say thank you to our guest, Professor Simon Naimi, who director of the Institute of Financial Economics at AUB and professor of economics uh, and finance. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Rami. Uh, have a good day. Thank you, and thanks Thank you. to the audience for joining us. Uh, we'll see you again in the next episode. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Bye for now. <laughs>